All right, well, this morning we're getting started. Um, the title of this sermon is called One Call for Unity, and uh, you may see a pattern forming here. You see, last week I introduced the vision statement for the Church of the Nazarene USA Canada region. Uh, and we looked at, we started looking at the, the mission, which we know is to make Christ like disciples in the nations. Uh, but we wanted to understand in this generation, this time, how we as USA and Canada live out that mission. And that's where these four pieces of vision came through. Mobilizing, blessing, bringing and becoming. Mobilizing all Nazarenes in unity. That's the key word. And we're going to talk about that today. Blessing our communities, bringing people to Jesus and becoming Christ-like disciples. So mobilizing, blessing, bringing and becoming. These four pieces make up that vision statement. It describes the activities, the mindsets that we're all about and that we want to be all about and should be focusing on. Today, I want to unpack the vision a little bit more by talking about unity. And again, I want to thank our denomination for giving this framework, supplying materials to help facilitate um, this conversation, this communication uh, across the whole region. You see, unity can be an intimidating word, right? It usually gets pulled up and we usually start talking about it, right? When things are going rough. When things are going rough, that's when somebody decides to talk about it. For example, and I'm not a football guy, but I know when I've watched um, They Might Be Giants, or no, that's, that's a band facing the Giants to know a little bit. Um, so imagine a football coach in the locker room during halftime. They do that, right? Halftime, right? Okay, good, good. Nailed it. First try. Um, So imagine the football coach during halftime and he is in the locker room and he's laying into the team because they are just a mess. It's not that the other team is so much better skill. The coach looks at his players and he says, we've got to come together. We need to be unified, guys. Working as one team, one man. If we could do that, we'd plow over them. We'd run 50 yards all the way to the touchdown. We'd win this thing, but we've got to be unified. And the focus on pursuing unity seems to only come out when things are in shambles. It only uh, clarified and highlighted when there's tough times and we're down 21-0. You know, in the football metaphor, we've got incomplete passes all over the place. The quarterback is getting sacked uh, because he's unprotected. The teammates are not remembering the plays. Or worse, they weren't listening when someone was giving out the the directions for the plays. Uh, Perhaps it's really bad. And I'm going to give you a little insight here. Infighting on the team. Intentionally drop plays to make someone look bad. I don't know if you'd ever think that football players would do that. I don't know. Choice words being shouted while entering the locker room, perhaps. Dissension in the ranks. And then I just picture this coach at the wit's end. Guys, we need to be unified. I just picture him so whiny at that point. He's just kind of given up. (laughs) So it seems unity is only talked about when things are going wrong, when things are bad. In our local church, however, I don't see that as the case. I do believe that we all know the goal to make Christ-like disciples. We know the mission. 
but maybe we're not on the same page about how it gets lived out day to day. And that's why the vision is so important. But to be going the same direction, you might ask, don't we need to pursue unity? Shouldn't that be the thing that we talk about day and night? Unity, unity, unity. And perhaps you're even confused while I'm even asking and posing that question in my own sermon. And you're really scratching your head now. I don't know what's going on here. Doesn't he want us to be unified or not? Why is he questioning it? What's the point of this message anyway? (laughs) Good question. The first part of the vision statement, mobilizing all Nazarenes in unity. To help us look at that today, um, we're going to look at the difference between two words that get confused a lot to start off with. Unity and uniformity. They're different words. Imagine that. They have different sets of letters and everything. So let's look at those. First one, we, we seek oneness in spirit and mind. That's describing unity, okay? But uniformity seeks sameness. So oneness in spirit and mind or sameness. Unity is more than willing to accept differences, while uniformity seeks to eliminate those differences. Um, if, if you can't picture this, Think about this. I don't have a DS telling me how the service is supposed to run here, okay? Uh, it, it happens because of how we've structured our services and how conversations have happened and how I've been experienced. Nobody in the denomination tells me as the pastor or tells you as the church, this is how your service from this time to this time, or you even have to have service on Sundays. You can have it onto the stairs. There's, or... Everybody has to wear a suit. I'd have to find a new job, okay? Because I don't have a suit. There's not uniformity in that example, but there is unity. We're preaching about holiness. We're talking about the salvation that comes only from Jesus. We're talking about the love of God. There's unity in reaching out to our community. We may not do it all the same, I've been, I've been part of several churches. Not one of them has, has successfully repeated the same outreach program because they're from a different community and a different time in, in space and time. And so when we try to uniformly throw a program at a different community, that's where we get varying differences of return. But anyway... That's, that would be my best way to explain and express the difference in one way. There's oneness in spirit and mind, but not sameness. We're not eliminating differences. We are willing to accept those differences and work through and work with them. I feel like I shouldn't have to say this, but Christians, Nazarenes, though, I don't want you to get confused. We must be unified in doctrine and Christian conduct. There are things that we cannot allow to go, ah, that church doing that thing over there, that preacher saying that thing in there in Nazareth, eh, it's not that big a deal because they're over there in that community or that works really well in the big city, but it's blasphemous and against our denomination. That's not cool. We have to be unified on that. So I ask you again, is unity something to be pursued because you'll see some folks again especially when times are tough that's all they'll talk about unity must be pursued we've got to do this 
I'm not asking if it's possible and I'm not saying, I'm not asking if you think you'll change your mind about this topic or that. Is unity supposed to be something that we're pursuing? The word unity, before we get to that answer that question, the word unity is only used in the NIV translation of the Bible a few times, believe it or not. I want to show you some of the examples of where it's found. It's celebrated in Psalm 133.1. How good and pleasant, you have this in your bulletin, how good and pleasant is it when God's people live together in unity? It's celebrated. So in one instance, it's celebrated. Three times we're asked to put forth effort to keep unity. Once through our own efforts, okay, in Ephesians 4.3, it says, make every effort to keep the unity. And twice through God's power. And the quote from 2 Chronicles 30, 12, 30, verse 12, give them unity of mind to carry out what the king and his officials had ordered. And then in John 17, 22 through 23, I have given them the glory that you gave me so that they may be brought to complete unity. And then there's a few other times, these, there's another three times where we are told that unity, hear this, is an outcome, is an outcome. In Ephesians 1, 9 through 10, it's, Paul tells us God made known the mystery of Christ to bring, to bring unity to all things. And then later, chapter 4, verses 12 through 13, he adds, to equip his people for the work of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith. The subtleties, I hope, are not lost on you in this. There's something different here than just pursuing it as a goal. Here it's an outcome. Last, Colossians three fourteen, and we'll talk a little bit more about this towards the end of the message Colossians 3, 14, we are commanded to put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity, in perfect unity. So if we could quickly recap what the Bible is teaching on unity, once it's celebrated, three times we're taught that unity needs effort, just doesn't happen, oh, like that, it needs a little bit of effort. Two of those times, it's God's power that happens to make the effort. Three times we're told that unity is an outcome. So why in the midst of that teaching would we assume that unity is meant to be a goal? It's the thing like, that we're pursuing. That's the goal. Should, why would we think that? Not once are we told that unity is a goal, which would make sense because we always know and we're so very aware that it's only when things are rough that somebody decides to talk about unity. We're never told in scripture that to pursue unity as the end, as the goal. Scripture teaches us that unity is great, it won't happen naturally, and that unity is a byproduct of other pursuits. Byproduct. I need the help of Gianna this morning. Gianna, come on up here to the front of the pulpit. Kaylee, I got you later, okay? This is point one. I got you on point three. Now, um, Gianna is doing a little bit of science at home, in homeschool, right, Gianna? You're playing with molecules and things like that, correct? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I did. I totally shouldn't have talked. She's my lovely mute assistant. 
See how pretty she is. Okay. This is for you. Hold that. Okay? Don't drink it. Um, byproduct. I, I racked my brain about what a byproduct is. I mean, if you think about, like, meat and, like, buying it at store, they'll say, like, oh, these byproducts are stuffed into it. But I want to give you a different demonstration of what a byproduct is. You see, I have this jar with a tablespoon of baking soda in here. And I have that jar with several tablespoons of a different liquid. You've got to take this cap off. It's not going to hurt you. You gotta take that cap off too. Don't put two caps on it. Why'd you do that? That was me, never mind. Anyway, we're, this is actually vinegar. You probably know what's going on here. I have this, uh, hopefully, poured slowly so that we can see what's happening. We have the baking soda and the vinegar. And keep pouring, it's fine. That's why the bowl's there. Go ahead. And there is a chemical reaction that takes place between the baking soda and the vinegar, and it is creating something here, a byproduct. The byproduct is CO2 gas, right? It isn't the reason I had her do this. The reason is, is that I wanted an illustration of a CERN, okay, and so I had her do that. The byproduct of this chemical reaction is this gas, okay? What? Nice. I even looked it up to see if there was like a better ratio. Uh, let's give a round of applause, please. Thank you, Gianni. You can sit back down. Yum. It's still going. That's going to be fun. Um, I did not think about that. Hopefully I don't get distracted by my own sermon illustration. But yeah, so we have, we have this byproduct. And so for the, illust- for the, for the connection with Unity is a byproduct of other pursuits. It means as we're doing something else, what is that something else? I'll tell you here in a moment. As we're doing something else, unity is created. It takes place. It exists. It isn't the finish line. Okay? It isn't home plate. It isn't whatever that is in football. <laughs> the goal line, the, the touchdown area. It is a byproduct of the pursuit. For instance, in football, do you think football players become more unified by playing together and trusting one another? Or do you think they actually win games by not doing that? Yeah, you'll know. Oh, we didn't trust each other enough. We didn't throw the ball, blah, blah, blah. You know, the typical stuff. So we've got that byproduct there. That's just to give us an idea that unity comes as a byproduct of pursuing other things. What is it that we're supposed to be pursuing? You have them very well outlined in your bulletin in big print. We're gonna pursue three things. First one we're gonna pursue is Jesus. I know, shocker, right? Shocker. Ephesians 1, 9 through 10, we're told, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he proposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth uh, uh, and on earth under Christ. So we pursue Christ and we are unified. We pursue Christ and we're unified. This should make the most sense of any of these ideas. Because if all of us are pursuing Jesus in the areas that are of eternal significance, we will grow in our 
similarity. What we value will begin to look more and more like what Jesus valued, right? What we love will begin to look more and more like what Jesus loved. People, for context. Our mutual pursuit of Jesus will bring us closer together and it will bring us closer together to, to each other. The pursuit of Jesus will also be the great revealer of whether we are becoming more unified or only seeking uniformity. Galatians 3.28 tells us, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, nor is there male, uh, there's male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. These distinctions do not go away. They just no longer matter because our identity in Christ and our intimacy with him becomes so significant. What this teaches is that you have more in common with a person who follows Jesus than anyone else who doesn't believe in him. You might be more unified with a person who follows Jesus and seems completely different than yourself than you have with somebody who has surface similarities, but yet is distant from the Savior. Think about that one. This is not to be a call to break off relationships, break off ties with people who do not know who Jesus is or personally know Jesus, but to understand the strength of the bond that we share as believers. So now that we have this bond, we address that, we're, we're pursuing Jesus. We, it's because we're pursuing Jesus intentionally and individually. And I, I just want to point out an example here in our local, our local situation, a local challenge. Do you take time each day to pray and to stay connected with Jesus? Do you intentionally give him the best of your time whenever that is? When we each personally pursue Jesus, we are unified in that effort of pursuing Jesus. We each are growing in faith. Why is that important? Allow me to illustrate. Even though we keep getting snow here in the springtime, right? Sooner or later, lawnmowers will come out. Maybe not in the month of May in our town here, but lawnmowers will come out. And besides maybe some general maintenance and topping off the fuel tank, there's some other things that you'll have to do to get that started, right? Sometimes I do the weirdest research for these sermons, by the way, and, and topping my list is learning how small engines work, by the way, so I can share this wisdom, these nuggets of wisdom onto you. Thank you for that, that laughter and uh, on my sarcasm there, child. Um, yeah, so small engines. I thought there was this magic button on the side of my mower that just made everything work perfectly. I actually learned that there's this thing called a primer. I knew that's what it was called. I didn't fully understand that this is what's happening. There's and it actually pulls a little bit of fuel out of the tank and not puts it into the engine. It puts it into this thing called the carburetor. The carburetor is what sparks it and makes a mixture of gas and air, which then gets pushed into your engine. So there's like a holding spot that creates this gas and air mixture. And then as that pressure and as your mower stays alive, keeps going, it can keep that process going and keeps moving that gas and air. Here's what it is. Our spiritual walk individually primes the pump for when we get together corporately as a congregation. 
Have you ever felt come to church and felt so down and so defeated and so like, oh man, I just want to get this over with. I'm tired. I'm going to go home. I'm going to eat lunch. And then I'll be happy or just chill or whatever. Have you been working on your spiritual walk throughout the week? On the flip side, what if you have been into his word, you've been praying individually, you're working on your relationship with God throughout the whole week, you come to worship, and you're just, you're just there. You, you're connected. You can, you can add to the conversation in Sunday school, in small group, in Bible study. You, you find that you have something to add and to share that builds your brothers and sisters in Christ up. That's the priming of the pump, spiritually speaking. As we individually pursue Jesus, we can corporately and congregationally do so as well, unified in that pursuit. So let's dive into those things when we come together. Let's keep our spiritual engine going. Now, our second thing that we pursue is we pursuing Jesus our second thing is to pursue serving. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, we're told, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, or gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. In this passage, we find unity within the works of service that are the good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's Ephesians 2.10. Unity isn't found in thinking about it, talking about it, or even desiring it. You can't obtain unity by going to a unity conference, okay? And you don't need... I don't generally throw shade, but you don't become unified by going to a Unitarian church. All right? Unity is found in working together in the common things that God has created us to do. The point of the work is to build up the body to fulfill the Great Commission. Make Christ-like disciples. This is the actual goal Jesus told us about that we should pursue. When we push aside our personal agenda to give ourselves in the service of this work, some powerful things happen. What are the powerful things? Well, first off, we gain an appreciation for the gifts others have. Have you ever noticed when you've been serving alongside someone, you do begin to notice where they are gifted musically, personally. Maybe they're just really good conversationalists with, a, with strangers. Uh, they are great evangelists. Maybe they play an instrument well. Those giftedness come out as we pursue what God has called us to do. We realize we can't accomplish it on our own. We need the gifting of those around us in order to do it. We don't all have the same gifting, do we? No. And we have to lean on each other in those areas. This is also why it's a dangerous pattern for any church to get into the into the habit of the pastor does the everything. Now, I know I've, I've talked about, I try not to make this the map show because it's not, it's God, but I do a lot of the things and it's easier for me. But there's a lot, I, 
I've tried doing music without you, Donna. It does not have rave reviews, you know? I, I, am, I will say that I am not the money counter of the church. That would be not kosher. I don't like that, and I'm glad we've established leadership in that. I'm glad that, Bev, thank you for being a Sunday school teacher to my girls. Thank you. Thank you, Terry, for continuing to uh, get into this Bible study as we relaunch it and as we open up new avenues of ministry. Thank you for the support that you give me and the prayer that you give me and my family throughout the week and the conversations that we have in Sunday school that build each other up. We can't just do that with one person standing up here and reciting scripture and leading us in, in um, recitations and, and chants. I don't think that really points out the giftedness of God's people in our local congregation. We need each other. And we all have gifts that God has given. And so once we, we can appreciate the gifts that others have, we have appreciation then for others. We gain an appreciation for others. We realize that we're created to need the gifting and of those people that have the gifts. So when we value those around us, we grow, imagine this, closer in community to those around us. Serving's the best way to grow closer. Relationships form easily and relationships form closer when we work together toward a common goal. Um, have you ever been on a work, a work and witness trip before? Maybe it was, maybe you wouldn't consider it a work and witness trip, but some, have you ever served in a capacity outside of your own local church in some way, shape or form? You don't have to answer that, but think about this. Some of my more defining times in my life and the people that I served alongside with were in short-term mission trips. And they remain in my memory. They helped me grow personally in ways that I couldn't have grown on my own. Uh, same for those that I work with in ministry in various churches that I've been able to be a part of. What about you? Think of a time when you were working together with other believers to accomplish something. One thing that you may know more about than I did before we moved here was the big old flood that happened in some of the communities around here, right? The 2018, is that correct? Um, I saw pictures before we came here of the devastation to the infrastructure in the area. Whole roads, you know, that happens in California, that happens in that South America, you know, these places where the earthquakes and the, the torrential flooding. Wisconsin, really? Home of cranberries and cheese? But yeah, and it wasn't just that it caused infrastructure damage and, and stuff, but it really impacted real people and their homes and their livelihood and the community of believers gathered together and did something about it. I don't know the depths of that. One thing that I do know is that membership in the area ministerial association um, grew and was strengthened as a result in the temporary around that time from what I was told. More people were more interested and involved in working together uh, outside of their own denomination during that time of great stress and need. And so relying on the people of faith in a community to work together to care for those who are in great need Unity has a natural byproduct 
or is a natural byproduct of a culture that is committed to serving together in the work God has called us to. The last thing that we must pursue for unity to be the outcome is when we pursue virtue. Virtue, okay? It's a loaded word nowadays, isn't it? Possibly offensive, depending on who you are and depending on what set of virtues that you prescribe to or don't prescribe to. But since we're pursuing Jesus, right, and we're pursuing serving, it makes sense that we would focus our attention on virtues that Jesus espoused and that connect, it, that connect with the care of others. Paul gave the following charge to the church in Colossae, uh, 3, 12 through 14. And uh, I need Kaylee to join me up here as I, as I read this scripture. I'll, I'll, I'll read it as you come up here, okay? Uh, 12 through 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. All right. So I don't have, I, I have a few things here. I need to stand off to the right hand side here. Um, right here. Let me, I should put X's on the floor. And Kaylee's going to help me demonstrate. I thought this was so interesting. The, the wording he uses here, this is not the armor of God. I don't know if you've ever seen demonstrations. Oh, we got the sword of the spirit. And this is not the armor of God. It's the clothing illustration of unity, okay? So we've got, we've got her basic clothing right there of uh, compassion and kindness. We'll say those are her shoes. All right, so compassion, kindness, the pants of whatever. Uh, and... We have now, so we've got compassion, kindness, humility, not humor, humility. You put your arms through that, you gotta help me out here. You can't put the robe on you without your arms through it. All right, uh, actually, we'll put the shawl on next. Or not. The, I don't know what the next one is. Uh, gentleness. Patience. I think I put pants for patience, but whatever. Um, bearing with each other. Uh, shoes to kind of walk a mile in another shoe, in other shoes, if you will. Christ-like forgiveness. I didn't have a piece of clothing for that, but here's. Oh, here we go. Christ-like forgiveness is the final cloak or robe. Charms through there. Christ-like forgiveness is the last thing right before they say. Charms through here. Where'd you arm? Right there. Right? Nowhere. Okay. All right. Binding. And then here's the thing. Where's it at? Binding. You want to do this yourself? You want me to? Okay. Binding them all together with love. The belt in this image is love. I, I, when I skipped to the end and I heard binding stuff up, I was thinking of just like, wrapping a rope around sticks, but then I go back to talking about clothing, holding this clothing in, tucking it in safely so it doesn't get taken, stolen, caught on something. You can take that stuff off now. Let's give her a round of applause. Thank you for that illustration help. Um, 
how amazing. Think, now, next time you get dressed, think about that. Am I, am I putting on the virtues of Christ? Uh, metaphorically speaking, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with each other, Christ-like forgiveness, and then the belt itself, love. Have you ever walked out of your house and forgot to wear a belt if you, if you felt like you actually needed one on your pants? You, you could have a really bad day because you're going to keep pulling your pants up, perhaps. And I know, yeah. I, I know it kind of looks silly, but this is the illustration that Paul is making. Every one of these virtues, hear this now, are very important core beliefs. Paul tells us over all those virtues, bind them together with love, binds them together in perfect unity, loves that belt. And again, it was more function than fashion, right? I wasn't very fashionable with that outfit, but it was to keep it all together so it doesn't catch on something so that you don't lose it. And again, your pants don't fall down. The components of a Christian character, this is very important, must be pursued. The virtues. The components of a Christian character must be pursued. The listing of these virtues in Colossians was not meant to be exhaustive. So this isn't the only list and these are the only things that we need to pursue. But it does give us some key categories for evaluating our own character. Evaluating, self-evaluation. Interesting. Are any of these virtues that, that you're... Uh, are there any of these virtues that you aren't associated with who you are? Does that make sense? Do any of these go, oh, that's not me. I can't do that. Or that's not me. I can't be that thing. Whatever it was, gentle. Shh. Squish a bug just as soon as a human. Because if that's the case, it's harder for people to be unified with you because you look less like Jesus. Let's think about that for a moment. If you got none of these virtues in your life or very little and you're not pursuing or interested in any of them, you're looking less and less like Jesus. So please, pretty please, if I may, pursue compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Don't do it simply because these are good things even though they are. Do this because it's what Jesus is like. And as you pursue Christ-like virtues, you wrap it all in love like a belt around your waist. Speaking of wrap, we're gonna wrap this up today. Because when you and I, when we pursue Jesus, when, when you're pursuing serving, when you pursue virtue, you'll see that unity is the natural byproduct. Unity is the natural byproduct. Unity doesn't come from a focus on unity. It comes as an outcome when we pursue Jesus, his mission, and his character. Unity is not the prerequisite for this work, but unity is the outcome. We don't unify so that we can do what we're called to do, it is as we do the work that we are unified. And this is a big deal for Jesus. His prayer for all those who would believe in me, he says, still is that all of them may be one 
He prayed to his father, Father, just as you and I, as, as in me, I, you and I are one, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. He prayed in John 17. So do the work that will result in what Jesus tells us will be the evidence the world needs to believe in him. Please do not sit around thinking about how hard unity will be to achieve when we're so diverse and often sometimes so divided. Pursue Jesus, pursue his mission, and pursue Jesus' character, his virtues. And on the other side of all of that pursuit, we might just find the oneness that Jesus spoke about. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this day. We thank you that you've communicated a clear vision to our leadership in our region. I pray as one of your servants and as a called minister of your gospel and hopefully a shepherd of this flock, Lord, that as I try to share this vision with my brothers and sisters here today, that they catch a hold of what it looks like to live out and to pursue these things. That as we together as a local church being unified, a denomination to be unified, we know what it looks like and we know what it's not. And we pray that you would help us as we pursue you, Jesus, as we pursue serving, we pursue virtue. That it would come, become evident our unity in the body of Christ. And then the world will look at that unity and go, huh, something different is going on there. I think I want in. Wonder what that's all about. And that, Jesus, is what it is all about. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.